Disclaimer, the podcast for newbie makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast should not necessarily reflect the opinion of the host and interviewee. The host and the guest speakers assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein. Moreover, the host makes no warranty that this podcast or the server that makes it available is free of viruses, worms, or other elements or codes that manifest contaminating or destructive properties. This episode is brought to you by JAVC Canada Tax and Accounting Services. If you need a free consultation, please send them an email at javcservices at gmail.com. Hi guys, I was a bit busy last week and was not able to record this episode and I promise you to have two episodes for this week to catch up of last week's uh, pending episode. Today I will tackle an important topic of savings. RRSP, TFSA, RESP, and CLB. These are abbreviations that I've heard when I first landed here in Canada. Despite some of them are already familiar in terms, however, how it works were new to me. I will explain based on the articles and website that I feel it was written for the newbie like us. First up, RRSP, known as a Registered Retirement Savings Plan. RRSP is a retirement account that's existed since 1957. RRSPs were introduced by the government to help Canadians save for retirement. The main benefit of RRSP is that the tax on your contribution to that is being deferred until retirement. Now, what does it mean being deferred? It means it delays your tax payment. In the next few uh, discussions, I will uh, explain to you thoroughly why is it going to happen, right? So, some of the people will ask, like, what, what is it for me? RRSP can help you if you have a higher income. Like, you know that you will end up paying taxes at the end of the day. But then if you contribute more in your RRSP, as long as it's within the contribution rule, it can reduce your taxes significantly. So up to like 33% of your savings, 
at the same time to increase your refund for whatever um, overpayment that you've paid or maybe deducted from your salary and submitted to CRA. What's an RRSP and how does it work? An RRSP is what's called a tax advantage account, meaning that the government created them specifically to provide tax breaks to those who invest money in RRSPs as a way to motivate them to put away money for their retirement. So I believe a lot of uh, especially newcomers do not put the retirement first because during our integration here, we brought the money with us. We have to spend, right? So there's no job. So it's just like a matter of time that when we get back to the workforce, then we can start saving RRSP. For those of you who are newly arrived in 2020, then for now, it's not advisable for you to open an RRSP because you do not know your contribution rule. So next year, when you file your 2020 taxes, then you would know your contribution rule. And for those of you who arrived in 2019, then once you filed your taxes, you will have your contribution room for 2020. So how does it calculate it? So let's say, let me just give you a ballpark. I know it's mostly almost impossible to get this salary, but yes, let's say you have $100,000 income of your 2019. 18% of that, let's say $18,000 is your contribution right and then let's say you file your taxes so you will not be taxed by hundred thousand dollars of your gross income and yet it will be reduced by like you know as, as per my previous uh, explanation on the credit you'll have your personal amount deduction which is normal for for everyone that 15% of that and minus that $18,000, let's say you contribute $18,000 of your RRSP, then that would reduce your tax significantly because your bracket is no longer like, you know, in the taxable of the $100,000, but it's reduced by the $18,000, what, $82,000, right? And plus your your personal, personal amount credit of that $1,800, Plus, if you're the head of the family, if you're donated, so lots, lots of credit to reduce your tax payable amount or maybe increased in your uh, tax refund. So that's how it works, right? And then for 2019, the limit was $26,500, right? So let's say you have 100,000, get 80,000, you're still in that room of 26,500. And then for 2020, the limit increased to 27 to 30. So that like, you know, they normally consider the inflation rate every year so that it increased um, every year. And contribution room to RRSP reduced the amount of income tax individual must pay each year. So the CRA sets an annual limit on the number of contribution each eligible taxpayer can make to RRSPs. The deduction limit refers to this year's limit rather than taking into account any in-use contributions from 
previous years, the RRSP deduction limit has gone up over time. Yeah, that is really true. But then, let's say in 2019, let's say you arrive in November or maybe the last quarter of 2019 and you didn't find a job. So, for sure, you were you did not have the RRSP contribution because you will not be uh, declaring your income for 2019. However, if you get a job for that three months, the last three months of the year, then out of that three months, then your RSP contribution will going to start, which is 18% of whatever the taxable income of that. So normally you will see this in your notice of assessment, then you can start um, contributing it in 2020 if you start savings. And some of us, the newcomers, we really have a lot of savings that like, you know, came from our previous country, then you can actually put that in, in your RSP. The reason being is, let's say your future goal is to buy a house, you can loan, like I think for the couples is $50,000, so $25,000 for each person that you can take from your RRSP, right? So, but a little bit of planning here. So if you have a higher income, you'll start contributing to your RRSP. But if you have like um, extra, extra savings, you, you you either put that one in your RRSP account, start earning it for a bit uh, for tax-free until it's withdrawn, and then you can use it on your first-time home buyer. So a lot of people use that uh, benefits because let's say if you want to put it there, but then at the end of the day, it will like, you know, reduce your contribution room and then you can pay it out within a certain number of years, let's say 15 years. So it's, it's, it's a bit uh, okay, although it's a loan, but there are like small uh, interest in there, but it's better than like, you know, taking a loan from the bank or line of credit to put down when you buy a house. At the same time, also, uh, the RRSP savings, you can also use that when you want to go to school. Like, you know, you go to MBA, like the, the lifetime continuing education for you, you can use that as well. So it's either the house or you can pay it for your university. Up next, guys, is DFSA. wanted to take this uh, TFSA based on the www.canada.ca website. TFSA is the tax-free savings account. This program began in 2009. It is a way for individuals who are 18 years of age or older and who have a valid social insurance number to set money aside tax-free throughout their lifetime. When you say tax-free, it means to say that whatever income you gain for your TFSA, then it's a tax-free account because a CRA, worldwide income, wherever you get from your income, it's all taxable, right? But then since this is a tax shelter account, any anything that you invest in from your RRSP for your TFSA is not taxable, right? Whether you withdraw it any time you want. But uh, I think loophole this is when you withdraw it in the same year, let's say 2020, and you can only contribute that the next year, 
okay so as long as like you take note of those normally for newcomers i did not have any problem with that because tendencies we don't have the savings but then when you start earning and then you don't want to keep your extra money with you in your savings account because the interest in your savings account is taxable once you reach a 50 dollars mark right so i had that before during the first year i got like 64 dollars of interest income in my savings account and then it was just like the minimum balance for the savings and then it's i have to include it in my taxable income right but it's like it's so small and then you need you need to pay taxes for that so contribution to a tfsa are not deductible for income tax purposes unlike rrsp tfsa is non deductible okay so it's just like any income that accumulates in that account is non-taxable any amount contributed as well as any income earned in the account, for example, investment income capital gains, are generally tax-free even when it is withdrawn. So there are two types, right? When you withdraw RRSP, then it, you will be taxed when you withdraw. And then, whereas in TFSA, the interest or whatever earnings you, you earn from your account, or let's say you use TFSA to buy stocks or you invested in a gift certificate from the bank any income that you gain from there it's tax free and you can withdraw that anytime and most of the people who who use this is let's say if you want like you know an emergency fund if you want to buy a car if you want to buy something you want to renovate your home then you can get this easily okay so unlike in RRSP that sometimes when you open up uh, you need to ask your, your sugar rules or in any bank or any financial institution if there is a holding period of three months, okay? Because there are people who did not know this before. They bought a house, but they were not able to withdraw their RRSP. Tendency is they will get a line of credit. So when you buy a house, you need to think of the number of the holding period of RRSP if you're opting to withdraw from it. Or maybe get a line of credit in case you needed those extra extra money for your down payment and your closing costs because uh, this will affect your cash flow and cash planning during the year if everything uh, no information from you especially purchasing this big house at the same time if you want to buy uh, if you want to go to school you want to buy more furniture or whatever reason that your money so it will affect everything you planned off your vacations if you used everything to buy a house for us a down payment right so types of tfsa they can be offered as a deposit an annuity contract and an arrangement in trust so the bank insurance company credit unions they issue all tfsa right and you may contact like depending on what you have Let's say, for example, it's CD Bank, they have their the investor's account. So you, so you can move from your TFSA and then you move to the investor account. It's a bit tricky depending on the bank, especially if you're a newcomer, so you're learning the bank system of F Canada, then learning the TFSA and then learning the stock market. But some of, most, I think majority is you may ask your issuers if they can like automatically deduct it from wherever investment that you choose 
do invest your money yeah, and they will do it for you without like you know don't ask for the for the brokerage costs right so um instead of you complicating yourself with the integration and all these changes in your life and then thinking you have all this money in your tfsa okay so uh for me i'd rather use other people's expertise on this even for me i accounting profession i'm not really good at like you know in, in the investing part of it i understand the investing but i do not have the time to do it myself so that's my the issue there so i'd rather put it and then let the experts do it what what they are uh, used to do right so who can open a tfsa of course only an individual who is 18 years of age or older and who has a valid sin and is eligible to open a TFSA because not everyone can open a TFSA, right? So the dollar dollar limit for this uh, TFSA for 2019, it's $6,000. So let's say um, I arrived. So the question is, because I have the same question before. When I arrived in 2016, I arrived mid-year. And I thought like, oh, okay, uh, because most of the benefits are prorated, right? For TFSA, it's not the case. When you arrive in, in 2019, immediately you will have that $6,000. Let's say you didn't, uh, you didn't contribute in 2019. Then in 2020, you will have $12,000 as a contribution. So imagine that. And then, um, like previous slide for your uh, the history of it, from 2009 to 2012, it was $5,000. Then from 2013 to 2014, it became Five thousand five hundred. Twenty fifteen was like the huge one. It came ten thousand. So that like I, I think they wanted the government wanted the people and the residents here to save more, so they increased it to ten thousand. However, in twenty sixteen to to twenty eighteen, it became fifty five hundred, and now in twenty nineteen they increased it to six thousand, which is really really great that you can like you know save up your your money and. The types of uh, permitted investments here are almost the same with the RRSP too. So you can have like, you know, you keep it as cash and then let the experts do that for you. You can do it in mutual funds, security listed on designated stock exchange, guaranteed investment certificates. You call this as like GIC, right? It's called guaranteed investment certificates. Bonds. Uh, bonds normally is like some kind of like you're giving a loan to government some kind like treasury bonds is the government issued bonds and then some of the bonds are coming from the companies that needed like um who does like development project or real estate and then it gives you a fixed income certain shares of a small business corporations yeah you can even do that if it seems like they can issue that certain shares right so next will be the resp okay this one is for our children's future. Okay, up next, RESP, Registered Education Savings Plan. So, I think in my previous country, um, where I grew up, so we have this insurance company, years of operations so all in all RRSP 
pretty much TFF. Canada has a, a very stable market. But with regards to RSP, um, it's easy. Almost financial institutions have that right. Any uh, credit unions offer those as well. But I'm just like so tedious in my research with regards to RSP. Okay. What I like uh, the meaning and the way they discuss is from www.manisense.ca. It's like a cousin of RRSB and TFSA. So this is savings towards child's education. And even if you deliver your child here, let's say you arrive in 2019 and then you deliver your child here in Canada, then that child is actually eligible. You can open an RSB at the moment you, you deliver that child, right? So I think in Ontario they allow that. And also, any income that's received in RSP is also tax-free. But the good thing is, there is this 20% that the government will grant the child like the adult. Let's say in a month you have one child, you contribute $100, then the government will give you $20 more. So your investment for a month becomes $120. So I don't know where... Uh, where else you can get the free money from the government for your child's education, right? And also later on, after the RSP, I'm going to discuss with you the CLP, Canada Learning Fund, where it's for the local, uh, for for the lower income families, they can get like you know when they open an RSP, automatically the government will give them like five hundred dollars, and then it's eligible hundred dollars every year if it's eligible right so i will tell you later about that but now let's go back to like how do i open an resp the easiest approach is to contact your bank so wherever your bank is so you just need your documentation like sin your child's social insurance number and your child's birth certificate simple as that pretty uh straightforward and then um choosing a bank right for me, I got like three banks here in Canada. So my daily banking, my uh, maybe like stock market banking and the TFSA, at the same time um, RBC. So no, the, the RSP. Sorry, I, my RSP I chose RBC. I have one reason for that. Is when I dig deeper during the market crash down in 2008. Normally, the government will bail out the big banks. When you say bail out, like, you know, they give, let's say, um, for example, uh, one of the reasons the economic crash down in 2008 was the real estate industry, where the people cannot afford and cannot pay the, day, the monthly mortgage anymore. So, tendency is, you know, the rolling money from the bank they cannot move the room because people are not paying and banks don't have any money to lend the government or to lend to whatever uh, person. And then the insurance, right, pays the money. And then those investments, it's just like all of the cycles that crashed out the whole economy, right? It's because you can see the actual money printed out 
in the market is actually lesser than you know, as per the records, right? Let's say if everybody will withdraw all of the cash in the world, it's not enough, right? Money in the circulation compared to what was recorded in your bank account. So that's how the way it works. And then when I did my research, one of the big banks here in Canada, they just reduced a bit, unlike in, in the US, unlike in Europe, unlike in Asia. It's really, really that go down. And it ended up a um, couple of big companies that really uh, went for bankruptcy because of that, right? So that's what happened. And this is RESP, this is long term, and this is your child education. And it's just so tough. So you better choose the you better choose the the bank uh, properly for your RESP and RISP. So for me, that's why I chose the RBC here. So RBC did not pay me, but based on my my research, so there are only like big like big banks here, and RBC was the topmost. And the way they handle things and the way they segregate their investments worldwide, it's it's one of the best. And the big banks here in Canada is one of the top twenty in the world, by the way. So whether you do for Scotia Bank, whether you do for TD Bank, but for me I went for the number one here in Canada, which is the RBC. My TFSA I opened it and then my investors account I opened it with, with TD Bank. The good thing with TD Bank is they're open seven days a week, right? RBC are not open on a Sunday. So if I need to um, to withdraw something from the TFSA, I will do it with the main. ATM, but then if you need to ask someone, right, to open like you know, the accessibility. So that's what I had. So my daily one, I opened the Scotia Bank because it's the only bank that I didn't open to before I came in. And the good thing is they've given me a higher um, credit limit for the credit card. So that's my daily. And also, I think they've given the uh, Scotia is also good also if you invest in something like mutual fund. They're very good. And for me, I chose this one. So it's up to you whether you use the CIPC, the PMO. So it depends on your necessity over this one. Okay? So that's the most important because this is really, really um, serious savings that you need to have. And like, you know, it's for your kids' future. What if you have more than one child? Of course, you can open it. Um, I have more than one child. And I open, you can actually open a family plan. So what happened with this family plan is uh, you have the same contribution limits per child, but all the children can actually like benefit from it, right? Uh, like uh, the only requirement is that each beneficiary be under the age of 21 and related of either by blood or adoption. So that's the only requirement. So that's fine. The the contribution limit in a year you don't really need to, but then. There is a lifetime contribution limit of fifty thousand. Unless you have that fifty thousand dollars to put that to RSP, then um, you will have that. But the good thing is, um, at least you can get you know the the twenty percent from the from from the government. But at least I think for the first year you get like twenty five hundred of that amount, right? 
The lifetime contribution limit is also something to keep in mind if there is more than one RSP account open for the child, for instance, if both the parents and grandparents open the RSP in the child's name, right? So, so if you're over 50,000 limit, you'll be penalized. Okay, there's a penalty here, like about one percent per month on excess of the money until it's withdrawn. All right. So, how is it RSP tax? So, of course, the income is not taxed over here, and then. Once your child in a post-secondary program, there are two types of RSP withdrawal. They are taxed differently. However, the tax uh, has to be paid in the one. So, so in that regard, they're like RRSP. So, but whatever you receive, I think is like like the income that you have when you when you withdraw. You don't receive tax refund when you contribute. The RSP is the same thing. The money you yourself contribute to an RSP can be withdrawn tax-free as post-secondary education payments. On the other hand, the portion of RESP came from government grants as well as any capital gains and investment income is withdrawn education assistance payments. So the income eligibility amount from July 2019 to June 30, 2020. Uh, for the CLP is based on the following. If you have one to three children and children, and then if your income is less than or equal to 47,630, and for four children, less than 53,740, five children less than 59,876, less than six, or six children less than 66,011. So, yeah. Um, that's what uh, I've got for you guys. So, I opened all accounts during my first year in Canada to kickstart our savings plan for emergency, TFSA, retirement RRSP, and kids university RASP. In my three years here in Canada, I learned a lot on savings and see the importance of preparing for our future. I still believe, though, that we need to live a little bit for us not to be, not to be burned out while transitioning from maybe a comfortable if not luxurious to a simple start here in Canada. Thank you guys for listening on this episode. Hope you enjoy and learn from the topics that I just discussed. If you have any topic that you would like me to research on and discuss further, do not hesitate to email me at k newb at gmail.com I would love to learn new things with you and let's grow together in Canada. Talk to you next week and God bless.